Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Father, we thank you so much that you have blessed this church financially. Would you please use our finances to further the gospel and give people hope? And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. And it just occurred to me that I forgot to do the Lord's Prayer, so this may be my last Sunday. (laughs) Well, if you have your Bibles, um, and even if you don't, uh, many of you came in early and you said, Dan, what's all this scrap paper all over the sanctuary? I put that there. uh, Because I really want you to follow along this morning. So there's no excuse not to be in the Word this morning. I I personally just think it is so important uh, that whomever gives the message that we follow along so you know I'm not just making this stuff up. So this morning, we're going to be in the book of Acts. Now, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then the sequel to the Gospel of Luke was the book of Acts. And Traditionally, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Early Church. And let me just give you a little bit of background before we jump in here. So, within Judaism, there are many feasts. Jewish people love to eat, and they love feasts. I've been to Israel four times, and I can tell you, man, the food is just incredible. But the number one feast of the year, and the number one gathering of the year, is Pentecost. And so when we get to Acts chapter 2, what has happened before this is the speaking in tongues, that'll be another message, the flames of fire, and Peter stands up and he gives this amazing sermon, which is in itself amazing because here's the guy who recently denied Jesus, and then 50 days later he gets up and he really preaches what most commentators say is the best sermon that's ever been preached. And that's where we jump into the text. And with many other words, he, so that's Peter, testified and exhorted them, these are the individuals that have just come to faith in Christ, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, and I just love this phrase, and simplicity of heart. And then finally, verse 47, Luke says, they were praising God 
and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, my wife and I moved here um, two and a half years ago. I can't believe we're going on our third year here in Naples. When we moved here, uh, we knew no one. Well, that's not exactly true. I, I do have a cousin uh, that works on Fifth Avenue, but we hadn't been in touch for over 25 years. And I see her on occasion, but really, I didn't know anybody. I quickly became the president of the Naples Vespa Club. And every once in a while, you'll see my scooter parked out here, and that's what that's all about. And um, I quickly uh, made friends with uh, a gentleman the name of Bill. And I know that Bill, I won't say his last name, but he's probably watching right now. Um, Bill and I became friends because Bill has his uh, PhD in counseling and we have a lot in common. And we talk when we get together. We usually get together about once a week for lunch. And a few months ago, I, I was having lunch with Bill and Bill knows my story the story how I was in pastoral ministry for many, many years, but I felt like the Lord was asking me to take a break from it. Clearly, I'm back. <laughs> but I had shared with Bill why I decided to take a break. And then a few months ago, we were having lunch at a little Greek restaurant by the airport, and Bill asked me, he said, Dan, what's going on? What's new with you? And I said, well, my wife and I have been going to this church for two years, and the church has called me to be their associate pastor. Now, I cannot tell you from up front on a Sunday morning what Bill said, but let me just paraphrase. He looked at me and he said, Dan, are you stupid? Are you the dumbest person on the planet? Why on earth would you want to go back into pastoral ministry. He's got a point. Recently, uh, Bill sent me, uh, in fact, it was last week, he sent me a text message that had an article entitled The Great Pastor Resignation by Alexander Lang, who, uh, Pastor Kurt might actually know this guy because he's PCUSA, and this is what he writes. So this is from a pastor. He says, I have become part of what is known as the great pastor resignation that came in the wake of the pandemic. Barna did a national survey of pastors, and as of March 2022, 42%, I can guarantee you it's, that number is low, 42% of pastors considered quitting. The reasons for this are myriad, but the top five reasons are given as follows. You ready for this? Number one, the immense stress of the job. Number two, I feel lonely and isolated. Number three, the current political divisions. Number four, I am unhappy with the effect this role has had on my family. And number five, this pastor writes, I am not optimistic about the future of the church. That's pretty sobering. That, you know, when I, when I read that, when I got that from Bill, I thought, wow, that's really true. And, you know, I just started thinking about my own journey in church. And overall, I would say it's been a great ride. 
But there have been some difficult days. And I have a feeling, and I don't want you to raise your hand. I really wrestled with whether or not I was going to ask you to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But I just want you to think about this, okay? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but I have a feeling that if I were to say how many of you have been in a church situation that broke your heart, you'd probably raise your hand. How many of you have been in a church where you got burned? Or where they majored on the minor? You know what I'm talking about? Like five months committee meeting to try to figure out what color to paint the women's restroom? Not that that's ever happened in my life. I, I think we've all been in churches, and some of you, I know this for a fact because I've had coffee with you, have been kicked out of churches. You've been asked to fellowship elsewhere. The church can be a place where we can find a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it can also be a place where we lose our faith. Why is that? Well, I actually think the answer to that is pretty easy. It's because the church has drifted away from what the church is supposed to be about. And it is so simple. It's not rocket science, and we have rocket scientists in our church. This isn't one of those things. And so this is where the church is born. This is the, 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 the text that I just read is the inception of the church, because you see, the church hasn't always existed. There was no church in the Old Testament. The church, Paul calls it the mystery and I don't want to get into all the details, but essentially the mystery is that the Jewish people are the people of God. And God calls those people, and then he grafts the rest of us. I know we have people here that are Jewish, but he grafts the rest of us pagan Gentiles into the family of God, and the church is born. The church is not a building. The church isn't a building. But we need a building. I did four tours in Africa doing some missions work. And trust me, I have been in the middle of, well, what is for, for us, the middle of nowhere. And I remember one particular missions trip, we visited 25 different churches. All of them were made of sticks. That works in Africa. I don't think that would work here. I'm pretty sure the city council would get on our case if we knocked this thing down and had a stick building. It's not the building, it's the people. Look around. You guys are the church. The church is literally a gathering of people who love Jesus Christ. That's the church. And so Peter gets up and he he wittingly or unwittingly outlines what I believe are five key, use any metaphor you want, but I'm going to call them pillars. There are five pillars that I believe with all my heart, if we as a congregation follow these things, this will be the best church you've ever been a part of. And you'll never leave because we'll do it right. Number one, pillar number one, Notice what Peter says. He says to everybody, it kind of sounds like, like, like a, 
a stereotypical mad Baptist, and I can say that because I was raised Baptist, a mad Baptist preacher. He says, be saved from this perverse generation. I mean, just, didn't that sound like a hellfire and brimstone sermon, you know, the beginning of one? What does he mean? Well, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter says that Christians are unique people. Literally, the Greek can be translated, we are a peculiar people. We're different. We're odd. I don't know what the message says, but it probably says something along the lines of, we're a bunch of weirdos. <laughs> because we're not like the world. We don't do things the way the world does things. You're different. You're supposed to be different. I don't mean like, I, personal opinion. Um, we, we live down on Davis and County Barn, and every once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll be driving to my office, and there's a particular individual that's standing at the corner of airport pulling and Davis with a, a big loud speaker and signs that say everyone's going to hell and, uh, and yelling. And I, I just don't see that as effective. I'm, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just, I just don't think that that works in Naples. But we're not to be like that. But we are to be different people. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We think differently. We don't do things the way the world does things at church. Um, number two, found in verses 41 through 42, notice this. Pillar number two, they received the word and the apostles doctrine. That doctrine is simply a, a fancy word for teaching. They received the word. In other words, Luke is saying here in verses 41 through 42 that we are people of the book. We, we gather together to hear someone come and, and talk to us about this book. In fact, you don't have to turn there, but I just want to read this verse to you. This is out of Hebrews. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We're people of the book. I oftentimes, when I'm not preaching, I'm sitting over here behind this pillar, hiding, and... I have a straight shot of this book. Now, I don't know the history of this book, but this is not decoration. We actually believe this stuff. We are, now some of it's confusing, but we are people of the book. We are people of the word. Notice that the early church got together. They were a different kind of a, a, a person, and, and they just, they got together in the temple because they didn't have a building. And they listened to the apostles' teaching. And there were other great teachers in the church. Just to mention one, a guy named Apollos. We, so many times churches get away from this book. You may be thinking, Dan, doesn't every church preach from the word? No. Kurt talks about this all the time. 
how mainline churches are hemorrhaging because they have departed from this book. I'm going to tell you something that I used to tell my high school seniors class. This is a magical book. Not like Harry Potter kind of book, but this is not a regular book. There's something about this book. Do you know people throughout the ages have tried to destroy this book? In fact, this book is like a starfish. The more you chop it up, the more it grows. This book has held the church together for over 2,000 years. This is a unique book. And one of the pillars of a successful church is being committed to the words of this book. I, I'll be honest with you. There are times when I do my daily Bible reading, and sometimes I come across verses, and I think to myself, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. Or that bothers me. That's the whole point. It's to spur me on to good works. And then pillar number three. Hang on. Put on your safety belts, because I'm going to talk about baptism Notice that when they heard the word, Luke says that they were baptized. They were baptized. Now, you can be a follower of Jesus and not be baptized. Can I be very clear about that? Think about the thief on the cross. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. I'm pretty sure in the text, you don't see the thief saying, yeah, but Jesus, there's a real problem. I haven't been baptized yet. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward faith. And I will tell you that the New Testament knows nothing of a follower of Jesus who hasn't been baptized. Now, <laughs> again, when, when my wife and I first moved to Naples, we looked for all kinds of different churches. And uh, for many weeks, we went to a very well-known Baptist church here in Naples. I'm not going to say the name of it. It's a great church. But I would sit there and think, the pastor just spoke out of Leviticus, and somehow, every single Sunday, he figured out a way to sneak in baptism. Baptism is important. If you are here today, and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, and you haven't been baptized, oh man, are you missing out. Listen, we lived in Seattle for 27 years. And I did many baptisms in the Puget Sound, temperature 47 degrees. Temperature of the Gulf of Mexico right now, 89. Anybody here want to get baptized? I'll do it today. If you haven't been baptized, you are so missing out. You say, Dan, what's the big deal? It's a big deal. It's in the scriptures. You say, Dan, I... I can't go in the, in, in the gulf and get baptized. We'll spray you. It, I don't think it matters whether you're dunked or sprayed. Or, you know, I grew up in a home that had deep Catholic roots. And my mom, who left the Catholic church, said to me that one day she caught my Irish grandmother in my room as a baby. I don't remember this. Sprinkling me. So I've been baptized. I went for the full dunk when I was 12 years old in the Baptist church, but there's, there's, it's, look, I have a wedding ring on. If I take this wedding ring off, am I still married? Yes. Why do I wear the ring? Because I want everybody to know that I'm the luckiest guy in Naples. That's why. Get baptized. Pillar number four. Notice this. You're going to love this. Naples Community Church, fellowship 
in the breaking of bread. Now, this is not talking about communion. I actually had to do a little bit of study here because I thought, oh, it's talking about communion. It's not talking about communion. Luke is simply saying that one of the pillars of the early church is they like to eat. They like to go out to eat. They like to have potlucks. Now, I can tell you I've never been in a church that was crazy about food as this church. I mean, we have so many opportunities to go get a bite to eat. And I mean, what a blessing that our church is literally just, what, two blocks away from some of the best restaurants on the planet. And that is a key pillar in the early church. You say, Dan, how is that possible that food is so important to the gathering of a healthy church? I don't know. I think it's because, think about Thanksgiving, all right? Now, I plan on being with my daughter and my soon-to-be three grandkids in Seattle this Thanksgiving. I, I already told Kurt before he and the board hired me, I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving, all right? Because I'm going to be in my daughter's kitchen. Now, you think about your house, and you think about Thanksgiving, and, or, you know, other gatherings. What's the most popular room in the house? It's the kitchen. Why is that? There's something about breaking bread with people. I can't explain it. I just know it's just so wonderful. John and I, um, John, I'm so sorry, I forgot your last name. John Atkinson and I had lunch this last week. Brand new little Turkish restaurant down the street here. Fantastic. Shameless plug. Um, and we just sat there and we, he shared his life with me. And he's an amazing man and he's done amazing things. And Bob Workentine and I have had, I don't know, it's been a while, Bob. I, Bob, I owe you. I know. I'm lapse. Oh, uh, we need to get together again. You know, one of the things I love about this church is right after the service, we have a fellowship time. We don't do that just because, well, you know, that's part of, you know, church and cookies and all. We do that because we're hoping that you'll stay, that we can get to know you, that we can invest our lives in you. That's pillar number four. Pillar number five is prayer. I mean, it's, it's, it's just right here is, is prayer. Now, you know, one of the things that I love, there's so many things I love about this church. We are a church that prays. We're not a church that talks about prayer. We actually pray. I will tell you, I think one of the most important meetings that happens here at NCC is the prayer time that happens right up there in the sunshine room. And usually if you come here about 9, 10, 9, 15, it's this amazing, it's not that many people, maybe 10 people. We get together and we pray for Pastor Kurt. We get together when we pray for you. And if you ended up in the hospital this last week, we pray for you. I can think of nothing more important in the local church than for us to have times of prayer corporately. Pray on your own. But we need to become a people of prayer. Everything we do, new building, let's pray about it. New pastor, let's pray about it. So-and-so has cancer, and he or she is not doing well. Let's pray for that person. I don't think we understand the power that is unleashed when we pray. Listen to this verse in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. 
Paul says this. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, I've just given you, I've just outlined, all I've done is just pulled out from the text these five pillars. Notice how many things I didn't say that makes up the church. It's just these five things. It's so simple. In fact, Luke even says here that they met with simplicity of heart. If we do these things, a natural outflow, fruit, if you will, are three things, and I'll briefly touch on them, and they're right here in the text. Number one, notice verse 43 on your little piece of paper. Then fear came upon every soul. That is a poor translation. It should be awe, where we get our word awesome. Can I tell you, I do not want to go to a church that doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to go to a church like that. I don't want to work at a church like that. I don't want to go to another boring meeting. I don't want to sit on another committee just to get together and yap about something. I want to be a part of a church that when I come on Sunday morning, I sense the power of God in the sanctuary. My favorite Bible teacher used to say to me, Dan, it is a sin to bore people with the word of God. And then he would say that a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. Listen, folks, when we come here on Sunday morning, if we adhere to these five things, God is going to show up. And that's what you need, isn't it? You don't need me. You don't need Pastor Kurt. You need God. We can't save your souls. We can't heal you. We can only point you to the way. And then here's the other fruit, if you will, is community. I love this, is community. Look, Luke says, everybody got together. They're from all over the Roman Empire. They got together. They're hanging out at the temple. They're eating. They're, there's gladness of heart. People are sharing things because some people traveled farther than others. A lot of people never don't even go home until persecution breaks out and then everybody goes home. But there is this, this sense of, I have some place that I belong. I'm sorry. I sound like a broken record. Here's another thing I love about this church. It's like going to a bar without the alcohol. <laughs> and sometimes there is alcohol, so be careful. But I'm saying to you that there's, you know, when I come here, this isn't, this isn't even work for me. I've worked in many churches. This isn't, this isn't even work. I tell my wife all the time, somebody pinch me. Like, am I in a dream? Like, these people actually like me. And I like you guys. This is just a great church. We like each other. We're not a perfect church. Yeah, sometimes we have problems, but we just get over ourselves. And then, what's the third fruit? It's church growth. Now, I know this is a hot button, and I'll be really careful what I'm going to say because it's recorded. I remember sitting with the search committee before they hired me 
And I honestly don't remember who said it, but someone said to me, um, Dan, just so you know, we don't want to grow. I get that. I get that. I really do. I don't want to be a part of a mega church. You know, I don't want to be a, a, a part of a church that, hey, come to church. We have a bouncy house in the parking lot. I'm so done with that. And Kurt and I, right up there where our offices are, with, along with Dustin, we were talking one day, and I said to Kurt, I go, Kurt, what happens if this church doubles in size? What would we do? I, and before he could answer, because I'm always cutting him off, um, <clears throat> before he could answer, I said, you know what I think would be great? We start a daughter church. And he just leaned back in his chair. I can't see Dustin's face, but Dustin's probably smiling. Kurt just leaned back in his chair and he just smiled and he said, yeah, we do something like that. See, we don't ever want to be a church where your pastor doesn't know your name. And we don't know what's going on in your life. I don't ever want to be so busy that you end up in the hospital. I'm sorry, I can't come visit you because I'm too busy. Sorry, that's what pastors do. Church growth is something that only God can do. You will never, ever hear me talk about church growth when I have the opportunity to preach from this pulpit. I am so done with that. So amen, search committee. I know exactly what you're talking about. It doesn't mean we don't want to grow. It just means we don't want to get to the place where we don't have that community anymore. Amen? You can clap. Thank you, Nancy. <laughs> One time I, I was... Um, I was in Bethlehem, which, by the way, if you're Jewish, you're not allowed to go into Bethlehem. And we literally snuck in the middle of the night uh, behind the gate there. And if you know anything about trying to get into the West Bank or Gaza or Bethlehem, it's a dicey thing. Ask Janet sometime about how they, we snuck in and they took our passports away. But one morning, I was sitting in a breakfast with Tony Campolo, who is just this amazing guy. And I'm not name dropping. I'm just saying it was a once in a lifetime experience. And some of you have heard of Dr. Campolo. He says this in a, in a, in a book that he wrote. And his book is entitled, When Secularism Replaces Religion. He says this, once a scientific method of improving the way people carry out basic economic activities is introduced to a society, it is the beginning of the end of their religious worldview. The rational scientific approach to doing things soon spreads into all areas of life. People look for the most efficient ways to heal the sick, teach the young, organize government activities, render social services, and even carry out their religious activities. In recent times, there is evidence that Christian denominations are structured more in accordance with the organizing principles of the business world and bureaucracies than by a pattern perceived as divinely ordained. We're not a business. We have a lot of business people here. But we are a group of people that want to follow these five pillars and, oh my goodness, the fruit will be tremendous. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father God, thank you for your word. It's so simple. It's so basic. It's so wonderful. Lord, would you bless Naples Community Church? Would you bless our leadership team, Lord? Would you bless our pastor, 
would you bless everybody behind the scenes? And Lord, as we gather, a very strange gathering of people at this time in human history, may everybody else in Naples talk about this church and say, we can't put our finger on it, but there's something going on there. We know what that is. And all God's people said, amen. amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.